and welcome to our pioneering episodes of Behind a Smile. This is a business podcast series that focuses on the best business tips straight from the industry leaders in healthcare. To celebrate Oral Health Awareness Month, we have a smashing lineup. So I want to welcome today Dr. Norman Kahi. And if you don't know about this being some of the most exotic dental real estate that we have on the show to date, let me tell you a little bit about him. So Dr. Kahi runs a practice together with his daughter, Chelsea Kahi, and his brother, Emil Kahi. And I must mention his wife because I am a believer that behind every great practice is a wonderful wife somewhere. I can't even tell you. It's a very humbling experience to have you on today. So I welcome Dr. Norman Kahi. Thank you so much, Chantal. And it's so humbling to be on your show. I'm indeed honored and privileged that you included me and asked me. And it's a pleasure to be talking to you today. You know, you're known for being a man of individual style, but you also are known for your professional prowess and your ethical subset. Now, can you share with us a little bit of the story of the Kai brand and how it's become synonymous with family? Yes. Look, Emil and I were very, very privileged and blessed to have been brought up by extraordinary parents. And our parents taught us that nothing was more important than keeping your name clean, clear, and your reputation high. And we were brought up in this ethos in our home. And in turn, my daughter was brought up with this policy and values. And so it was an obvious choice to call our practice the Kai Dental Practice and the Kai Prosthodontic Practice because our Kai name is the force, the driving force behind our brand. And as for individual style, thank you for the compliment. It's reassuring to always hear something nice because, as you know, in our profession, we get told very ugly things. But I think authentic, individual style is all about being authentic, you know, being genuine, being an open book, being transparent, having integrity. These are qualities that my parents passed on to Emil and I and which Chelsea, I'm hoping, to is able to display. And so this is what's behind the Kai brand that individual style of being doing bespoke dentistry, in other words, not one shop for all, but customized dental bespoke dentistry. And uh, we treat our patients in total privacy with discretion. We obviously are on social media, but we never, ever post anything that we don't have permission to do. In terms of prowess, that's a great compliment and thank you, but I've been in the game for 45 years and most of those years I have done continuing education courses almost annually, both here in America, in London, and I still do that. And I think that's a way of keeping you updated with the latest techniques, the newest materials, learning from the best in the business, and that is mandatory to being successful in dentistry. There's no place for complacency. You have to keep up with the trends. You have to be on trend. You have to know your game. You have to be at the top of your game all the time. As for ethical subset, I'm not sure if I'm interpreting it correctly, but I'd like to believe that I'm ethical. I'd like to believe that these are my family values. I do feel that I have integrity because to me, integrity is when you're 
personal identity and your public persona are one and they match. So you're not living a facade. You're not living a superficial life. So if people see me out or whether they see me in the practice, I'm the same. I look the same. I dress the same. I speak the same. When they're with me in the practice, I talk about my wife. There's pictures of my children. I talk about my late parents. It's a very, very family-orientated practice. And we feel this is one of our unique selling points because we have this ability to develop a rapport with our patients. And we have this ability to connect with them. And I feel this is what's carried us through. As you say, we, we may talk about difficult times that we've just had, a uh, pandemic. And I think one of the things that have pulled us through is this connectivity to our patient. We never lost touch with them. We've got them on WhatsApp. We've got them on email. We've stayed in touch with them. They could phone us. I mean, telemedicine is a thing that's happening a lot. But teledentistry, unfortunately, is not something that's very possible. But however, during COVID, we would triage the patients where we'd screen them speak to them, and try and help them and ease them. But we never, ever turned away a patient who was suffering and that was in pain. And so I think that is what pulled us through COVID and the coronavirus pandemic um, and kept us in, connect, uh, in, in, in connection with all our patients. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I really appreciate that because over the couple odd um, conversations that I've had, and I've been lucky enough to speak to quite a few people about post-COVID and what they've had to do in practices. And we saw a lot of trends happening with businesses. And we were discussing this a little bit earlier, where I said that the smaller practices actually just couldn't survive any longer. They had to look for other opportunities. They had to maybe look for partnerships. They had to look to find another place. Or they had to start from scratch again, no matter how many years that they were in. When COVID mm. happened, we saw that trend happening. And I'm talking specifically about where we based, which is Puzzle in Natal. We had a lot of different things. We had riots and we had floods and we had them one after the other. We saw another trend happening. This is now for South Africa as a whole. And we found that bigger businesses started to diversify. As how did you overcome some of these hurdles with, with COVID? And what did that look like? Because the key thing that you're saying here is you kept the communication going in a time where people needed to speak to someone. It was a thing in life that you, you just could not even imagine. Just to have somebody tell you, let me just hear about it. It gave more support and empathy than you could possibly do. That was a strategy that you just kept going. So tell us a little bit more. Well, we did a lot of social media during COVID staying in touch with our patients on social media. We posted videos, we posted educationals, we posted information that was pertaining to the coronavirus. We dispelled a lot of the myths that was terrifying the public. I mean, the public were petrified. You know, patients were, would, would sit in the car and ask us to come down and take their temperature. And I mean, it, it was really a horrible period that we lived through. But it's history. Thank God it's history now. And we're hoping that the, the, the new wave of corona that is taking, you know, that is happening at the moment is very mild and it's never going to reach that pandemic proportion. And then there was the whole debacle of are we going to vaccinate? Are we not going to vaccinate? Are you anti-vax? I mean, it was a huge thing. For us as healthcare workers, it was stressful. I mean, the greatest yeah. challenge for Emil, I and Chelsea was to keep ourselves healthy, to keep ourselves yeah. free of infection. 
despite being at the front line of infection. I mean, being in close contact with patients, we never really knew if they were infected or not. They did sign indemnity forms. We did take their temperature. We did do um, their sets. Then we took blood pressure. We did everything possible. We looked like astronauts. I mean, we wore hazmat visors, we wore gloves, we wore foot covers. It was a nightmare. You couldn't even get close to the patient. But Mm. somehow it sustained us and it sustained the practice and it kept our little patient base together. And I'm sure we lost some patients because we also moved premises during COVID, which was a huge challenge. But in the end, our practice is going. It's still strong. We enjoy a good reputation. We've had difficult times. We've had quiet times. We're not pumping like we were in the good old days pre-COVID. But in the whole, we are so grateful. We are so blessed that we are still an ongoing business. And we've had each other to depend on. Yes, of course, it's easy if you've got an emergency fund of cash to keep you going, to bridge the, the, the stressful times. It helps. But what can I say? It's not the case if you are one-man practice, it is very difficult if you don't have support from a colleague or a brother or a daughter or a sister or a father. So I understand and I empathize with my colleagues and I've got friends that actually went out of business. So I do know what you mean and I empathize with them and I'm eternally grateful for my blessings, my privileges and our good fortune. Thanks, Norman. It, it really is a tough thing, you know, when when you just, something happens that in your business that you just, you know, you just never even put in your 10-year, your 20-year planning. And you were right that the public is not really aware of yeah. how difficult it was for us as practitioners to take care of ourselves. Exactly. And it, so we're just, we are lucky to have seen it through. I would love for you to just give us a little bit of that background of just, just how much you have to deliver in order to meet the, the profile that you're seeing. And I, I want to share a little bit of that profile. So you see the Musese finalists. You see, Lucas, the expectations are through the roof because you are seeing that level of a patient. So tell us a little bit of how do you do this for every patient every time? You know, let me stress that although we are known as a celebrity dentist, It's important that the listeners and the viewers understand that we are general dentists and we see everybody and anybody. And we are acutely aware that we enjoy the reputation we have and we love doing what we do. But I need to tell you that we have a very, very strong outreach program as well. So we'll talk about the celebrity side, which is, of course, very exciting. But there is a very strong element in our practice and an ethic where we actually adopt a child's home, a children's home or an orphanage every year, and we offer them completely pro bono dentistry for the entire year. Yeah, we do this. Yeah. And it's important that the people hear this because social media portrays us as seeing the higher echelons of society, the politicians, the sports stars, the world of pageantry, government officials. And it's beautiful to have that reputation, but it's important for the public to know That is not what Kai Dental is all about. We are an everyday, ordinary practice doing extraordinary work. And uh, we invite everybody to come to us. We treat everybody the same, from prince to pauper. You are treated the same, in the same manner, in the same style, 
with the same secrecy, the same discretion, the same confidentiality. But having said that, let's talk about celebrities. Yes, they all want the Hollywood smile and they come to us and we deliver it. And they love it. It's one of the most rewarding aspects of dentistry, but as well as being one of the most stressful aspects of dentistry, because as you've said, the demands are through the roof. And boy, do we have to be on our toes. But I'm <laughs> grateful that I have the most amazing team that back me. Um, Emil is the most superb prosthodontist, specialist prosthodontist. Chelsea is just amazing with her, the work she does. We have a endodontist, Dr. Max, that's in our team. We have a top oral hygienist. We have a periodontist. We have top maxillofacial surgeons on hand, orthodontists. We do the whole lot. Not all on site, but we have a team around us and we surround ourselves with the best in the business. And we take no chances. So when you say tips to fellow dentists, obviously you're going to take a thorough history, do a thorough investigation, a complete assessment, extra oral, intra oral, medical history, dental history. Take your full set of radiographs, do a set of models, do a digital um, smile design, take videos of the patient speaking, talking, a whole host of things which you, you know about. Today, it's all about digital smile design. Things are done digitally. Um, thank God for mobile phones because it's wonderful to take a video or photographs and quickly WhatsApp it to your technician or to the patient. And then the patient will say, I'd like this longer, that shorter, this wider, that whiter, this... So I use all the tools that are available to me. And um, obviously, it's lovely to get PR mileage out of doing celebrities. But a lot of them are very, very discreet and private people. So we can't always advertise the top. I mean, Mark Pilgrim, bless his soul, he has now passed away. Um, he was just a, a fantastic human being. Uh, he never, ever came to us with expecting anything for free. He always did a post, a PR. And we've got some amazing people in that category. I'm blessed. What can I say, Chantal? I'm, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that you see it as every patient, every time. You don't really worry about what is it, that where they're coming from. Do they have a status that's going to benefit our brand? And yeah. you're always giving back. I think it is one of those things that keep you balanced and they keep your integrity in place in many ways. So... I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, now I've been looking at a lot of posts that you've been, I think, just so kind to actually just share with people because post-COVID, not many people wanted to do the traveling again. And I know okay. that you're an avid traveler. So okay. tell us a little bit about this travel and these amazing photographs that you share and also about how does that impact you in your practice? Well, it's not easy, but it's become easy here of late. In my early 60s, I've been in the game, as I said, 45 years. I didn't have the privilege of traveling in the early days, but the bug of traveling bit me when I was a child because my mom and dad traveled widely and they enthralled me with their tales and stories about travel to Europe and America and to Lebanon. And ever since I was a little boy, I've loved to travel. So. I'm not a materialistic person. Don't give me expensive cars and watches and suits. Um, I'm a very ordinary guy, but ask me what I'd love to do anytime, everywhere and anywhere, and that's to travel. So 
of late, my wife and I have traveled a lot, especially after COVID because we couldn't move. We have enjoyed some amazing trips. And I'm sure you've heard of the saying that traveling is the university of life. Have you heard that saying? Yes. You know, and it's so true because I've experienced it actually personally. You learn so much. You develop skills that you didn't think you had. I learned tolerance because I, I'm famous for being intolerant, but I've learned tolerance. I've learned patience. I've been exposed to different cultures, creeds, cuisines, lifestyles. You see the good and the bad. And I bring that back with me. I tell the patients about my travels. I talk to them about my travels when I'm away. I've been criticized by some people by saying you, you're boasting and you're showing off to people that are far less privileged than you. So I'm very acutely aware of that. And I often put on my post that only by the grace of God um, have I got the opportunity to travel. I've recently lost a very, very dear friend, almost a brother, to brain cancer. He was 62 and all our life traveled this journey of life together. And we spoke about how one day in our 60s, we would take our wives on cruises. We would go traveling together. Our kids would be independent. And then this shocking, shocking life challenge hit him and he passed away. And it's just brought into sharp focus this terrible truth that life is just so short. It's a cliche, but it's the truth. So I'm even more determined to travel as much as I can. I mean, it's not about leaving my kids millions. I won't be able to do that because I'm living it out. But... I feel that the legacy is not what you leave for your kids. It's what you leave in your kids. And I'd like to believe that the legacy I'm leaving Chelsea and my son Norman is this experience of life. They travel with me as much as possible. And they've heard me, especially Chelsea, bring back the exposure that I've had to the practice. And it makes me a more interesting person, a more interesting dentist. I'm more relaxed. I'm more in tune with myself. I've looked after myself so I can look after the patients better. I'm not burnt out. So many dentists are burnt out. I don't have to tell you that dentists have the highest rate of suicide, of depression, of illnesses born by, with stress. It's an extremely tough profession. And I feel that at my age, if I don't have a break, a mini break, like a weekend, every two, three months, and a nice trip every three, four, five months, and once a year, a, a splurge trip, I, I don't think I could cope anymore. So it's almost as if I'm looking after myself so that I could give better care to the patients. So that's how it plays out in the practice. I relate better to the patients. They love hearing my stories. I don't boast about it. I'm just informing them. And I'm always helping people. I'm, I'm arranging trips for people. You can't believe how many people say, please advise where to go. What was your to-do list? What did you do in London? I see you went there. Can you help me with a deal here? It's my pleasure. It gives me untold pleasure. It's one of my passions in life. Uh, um, it's really important to take care of yourself because it's, we, we do the job of taking care of other people. Yeah. And when we don't actually pay attention to just taking that break, burnouts come up in the show. And, you know, there's this idea that you have to just give your absolute maximum. But when you're not, even operating at your maximum, really, you have to really think about the quality of dentistry that you're able to deliver. Where's the future of dentistry here in South Africa? You know, that's a very tough question because 
We are facing the most terrible crisis in South Africa, economically, politically, uh, judicially. I mean, it's not a hidden secret. Everybody's talking about finding another place, relocating, semigrating, emigrating. That's all I hear. And I have unfortunately lost a lot of patience to emigration and semigration, which is the new buzzword for going down to the Western Cape. So we are facing challenging times, but WITS has just opened a state-of-the-art teaching facility and they are training world-class dentistry, apparently. That is great news for the future of dentistry in this country. As healthcare workers, we need to be at the forefront of international trends. We cannot afford to stay back. And as South Africans, we are always at the forefront. I'm extremely proud to be a graduate of a South African dental university. And I still think that we can hold our place internationally. The academia is still here despite the brain drain. I mean, our alumni are all over the world, top professors in all aspects of dentistry across the globe, authors on the topic. The future here is the same as internationally. It's all about digital, tech-savvy dentistry, lasers, clear braces. Orthodontics is undergoing a revolution. It's becoming the new buzzword now to do clear braces instead of the metal braces. Of course, teeth whitening revolutionized the entire dental profession in the 90s. Um, I was very fortunate to be one of the pioneers of teeth whitening in South Africa. So I've been doing it for 20 years more. And it's continuing. It is the single most sought after dental procedure across the world. People all over the world and in South Africa are asking for teeth whitening, teeth bleaching. And obviously, if it's done ethically and safely and effectively, it works and it's a beautiful thing to do. So as I say, the future is good. It's still positive, despite all these challenges. But for young graduates, it's going to be really tough. I, I can't see young graduates getting loans from banks for millions to open up a practice. Um, when I started, I, I had a small loan. I mean, it was huge at the time, but the bank gave me a loan without a, a second blink because your degree was enough to give you that loan. Today, I think the banks are going to be tough because these dentists, these young guys don't have the collateral the security, the sureties. So it's really tough. So the future is positive. Um, of course, the demographics of dentistry have changed. The socioeconomic uh, demographics have changed. So it's an evolving profession. It's an evolving profession, and I think we still need to be positive and, um, and leave us on a positive note. I think dentistry is going to be for us with us forever. Teeth are with us forever, so dentistry is yet to stay. Thanks so much, Dr. Kai. I just want to say, where do we find you? So where are your URL details? Where can anyone that wants to contact you, where can they find you? Okay, well, online or on social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under Kai Dental Practice, and that's spelled C-A-H-I, Dental Practice. Um, obviously, I've got my own profile as Dr. Norman Kai. Uh, we have a website, which is a lovely website, and that's www.styleyoursmile. And we're in Parktown North in Johannesburg. That's where our premises are. I want to tell you how privileged I am to have had this time with you. I really appreciate what you've been able to so easily and so graciously share. 
the information that, you know, a lot of people will benefit from. So I really appreciate. Thank you very much. And God bless you and for the work you're doing. And I look most forward to seeing you again. I've covered starting up and how to turn your vision into a business. And in our future episodes, we look at leadership. We look at multi-practice success. Now, I'm grateful for you and I would love to hear your ideas. What questions do you need answered? Please drop me a mail at behindasmile2 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, you are heard, you are seen. And on this platform, you are invited. Let's make it happen together. Mm-hmm.